Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura. I'll be joined by uh, David Grobman, and we'll bring him on in just a second. But we're going to talk prospects tonight, but we, we just wrapped up the winter meetings. And before we talk about prospects, we've got to talk about what went on in Metsland during the winter meetings. They, they acquired a new middle infield duo. They traded John Neese to the Pittsburgh Pirates for Neil Walker to take over for Damon Murphy at second base. I like that trade. I think that uh, they only have a one-year commitment to Walker. Uh, I think Walker is a, uh, a fine uh, offensive player, and I don't really think we're going to uh, skip a beat from uh, Daniel Murphy. And uh, the salary was pretty similar between he and Nice, and I think that was a really good move by the Mets. And uh, right after they picked uh, up uh, Neil Walker, they signed a free agent. Uh, they dipped into the free agent market and, and spent, uh, oh, about $19 million over two years on as Drupal Cabrera. Cabrera had a, a fine year, I think it was back in 2011, and he's kind of been middle of the road ever since then. So um, personally, not a move that I would have made, but uh, perhaps this is a harbinger of things to come. Uh, perhaps there'll be another deal in the offering, or uh, perhaps uh, either Ruben Tejada and or Wilmer Flores are, are uh, a little more injured than they're letting on. But anyway, uh, that's a story for another day, and if you want to read uh, – our take on it, you can head over to Mets 360 and, and read all about that. Right now, let's uh, bring on uh, the minor league writer at the site, David Groveman. And, uh, David, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be on. Now, we have uh, undertaken a project at the site. Uh, I think you started this two years ago where you did a, uh, a top 50 list. And then last year we had a, uh, a group consensus uh, doing it instead of just the one person like you did two years ago, and we're doing that format again this year. And uh, it's never easy to get four people to agree on anything, much less the top 50 prospects for the Mets, is it? No, it's not. And 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 truly, going going down into a top 50 for any organization, no matter how deep the organization, um, once you get sort of beyond those those top 30, you start getting into players that. Not everyone is going to to have on their list at all. Now, last year the Mets probably had a uh, a top five or so farm system overall, but there were so many people who got promoted to the majors, and there's also so many people who went away with in trade. So it's not quite as deep as it was uh, this time last year. But I think it's still a, a fairly good system. Uh, certainly not a, a top uh, five anymore, but. Uh, do you have a, a feeling overall where you think the farm system would rank? Do you think it's still top ten, top fifteen? Uh, where where would where would you rank it? I I would say that that we're in the lower end of the top fifteen at this point. Um, I think I think what the Mets realized with the trades they meant, made during the, uh, the the midpoint of the season was that you have five excellent young pitchers now in the majors. Uh, one member who's Still technically a prospect, Stephen Matt, and then four other you know ace caliber pitchers in the majors. A guy like Mike Pelfrey is just going to be the the victim of a numbers game. That you know, as good of a prospect as he is, where do you play him? Because he's definitely a starting pitcher, and the Mets can't can't find room for him on the major league roster. Um, even even with that role, if you can never have too much pitching, 
it's it's hard to say that that moving Mike Pelfrey was a a, a bad idea. Um, it's it's just uh, the pitching in the farm system has has sort of been gutted uh, down to the single A level. Uh, you don't really have anyone of of an elite caliber uh, above uh, advanced A. Of course, Michael Fulmer was the player that the Mets traded to the Tigers along with Luis Sessa to, to get Ioannis Cespedes. And I have to say that that trade uh, worked out well for the Mets and Cespedes helped lead them to the World Series last year. Uh, Fulmer, uh, probably the, the most advanced uh, pitcher. Sessa uh, also had uh, good luck with the Mets, didn't quite do so well uh, when he went over to the Tigers organization, but he had a live arm and uh, – if I recall correctly, he was not a uh, he did not grow up a pitcher, so he was relatively new to pitching. So he still has some some learning, some bumps and bruises to go through along the way. So there's still a chance that he may figure out into things later on. But as you and mentioned, we will, David, there was we will get uh, a front row view of it. Yeah, <laughs> on the Yankees. Um, so. Um, let, let's shift back to the to the guys who are, are still in in the Mets system. Um, the, we started off talking about pitching, so let's keep up that frame. Is there any pitcher uh, in the Mets level Double uh, A or or below that uh, you think we should keep our eye on who may take a uh, a leap forward this season? I mean, in in Double A and Triple A, the the overall pitching is is not really impact prospects at that point. You certainly have players like Rafael Montero and Logan Barrett who, who aren't really prospects anymore, who are going to make impacts in the majors and likely spend time in the minors. Um, in terms of pitchers to watch in the system outside of, of the people who are already in the majors and those two names that I mentioned before, I think really the, the league to, to pay attention to as a Mets fan is Port St. Lucie and the Florida State League because it's it's got a lot of talent coming up from Savannah, and uh, a couple of those guys could really be very good. It just is that, that you know, rude waking, waking point when you, you leave the uh, roomy confines of Savannah and enter Port St. Lucie. Now, Port St. Lucie is in the Florida State League, which generally is a, a very good park for or a good league for pitchers, much more uh, pitcher friendly because uh, most of the parks there are where the major league teams train, so the the parks are a little bit more uh, a, a little longer in distance than maybe you would get in another uh, similar A level league. But having said that. St. Lucie is usually uh, much more of a of a hitter's park. So it's a hitter's park in a pitcher's league. So you, you get some really interesting um, results from pitchers in there. But as you mentioned, the two stops that they go before then are really pitcher-friendly, and, and that's Savannah and Brooklyn. And I'd like to talk about just a second about a guy who's performed in both of those leagues the past two years, and, and this guy is a favorite of mine, and that's Corey Oswalt. Um, what, what's your feelings on Corey Oswalt? Yeah, Corey Oswalt at this point, um, uh, with, with another, another young pitcher, uh, Marcos Molina, uh, likely out for all of, of the 2016 season, I believe. 
Uh, Corey Oswald is is one of the top uh, prospect pitchers in the Mets system now that everyone else has has sort of gone away. Um, Oswald doesn't have uh, what I would call a standout pitch. There's not a pitch that is unique to him that that really sets him apart from other pitchers of this caliber. But what he does have is a major league offering, and and that is absolutely key with a prospect. He has a, a fastball that will play in the majors, and he has breaking pitches that he can use for strikes. Uh, you also look at his peripheral numbers, and they're good enough to play on the front end of a rotation, though he's not likely uh, of that caliber quite. And another guy who I've got my eye on is somebody who came back maybe a little bit earlier than we expected this year, and that's uh, Chris Flexen. He had a big year a couple of years ago, and then last year he had Tommy John surgery. And, you know, it used to be that uh, Tommy John surgery meant a year plus, and he came back in less than a year, uh, pitched at three def- different levels, and, and didn't do too bad. Uh, what's your take on Chris Flexen? Are you excited about him, or do you are you still playing uh, the wait and see when it comes to him? I, I think at this point with with uh, the, the options that we have, Chris Flexen, is is probably a, a notch above Oswald in my book. I think that Flexen has a little bit uh, better numbers in terms of raw stuff. I also, for for whatever reason, I trust pitchers who have had Tommy John uh, more to stay healthy than pitchers who haven't had Tommy John because I always feel like that threat of Tommy John surgery is in the offing for a pitcher. Uh, so Chris Flexen, who who's already gone through that Tommy John hurdle, I really think that this could be a breakout year for him. If I had to pick a pitcher who's going to make uh, waves in the uh, minor league system, I would say it's Chris Flexen. I uh, remember when he was drafted, he was a uh, pretty significant overslot payment for where he was drafted. You know, it used to be that one of the things that you had to pay attention to was where a guy was drafted. Was he drafted in the first round? Or was he drafted on the 20th round? And, you know, that made a huge difference. Now it's it's not as big of a difference because, as you say, they'll they'll go over slot to get guys. And, and uh, Flexen was one of those guys, and Oswalt was as well. Um, two guys who were a little bit uh, higher draft picks, I believe they were both top five picks here in the – in the 2015 draft, um, you know it's a little early to to be talking about guys who've, who've just uh, thrown a couple innings in short season ball. We just want to throw uh, a couple of uh, names by you and and just see if you have any any thoughts, any impressions on uh, uh, what you think they might do for the Mets. And uh, the first one being uh, Max Wotel. Uh, Max Wotel of of the the most recent group of draftees, I think he has the greatest chance to succeed. Uh, I think I think what's really rough is when you have the, this draft and then you get just such a brief window into these players. Um, he has the stuff to be a successful pitcher. I need to see him perform over a, a greater period of time. And I think we will see a, a pitcher like Max Wotel um, moving into to, uh, as high a league as Brooklyn. I think you could see him there and um, – I, I really I need to get more information before I can say anything uh, uh, whether he's going to be an impact pitcher or not. 
And the other one, I'm sure I'm going to massacre his name. And if somehow his parents are listening to us, I apologize in advance. But I think Wotel was taken on the third round, and, and this one was on the fourth. Uh, Thomas, and if, if you know how to say his name, help me out. Uh, Chapuki? How, how do you – what's your best stab at uh, – I can't I can't do much better than that, but I think that uh it's it's going to be a, a beautiful thing if and when he makes it to the majors, if he can have a battery with Flewecki. It'll be uh, an Eastern <laughs> European connection for sure. Um, I love it. But uh I, I think that he's he's another guy like uh like Wotel who who comes with the pedigree of having the overall stuff to be a major league pitcher. It's it's just you get maybe six games that you really get to see a pitcher when they they're drafted, and it's not enough time to make a judgment call on their on their impact uh, moving forward. Um, again, I could see him going as high as as Brooklyn. I don't I don't know why the Mets didn't do more signing uh, signing more pitchers this particular uh, draft, being that they really they really were pretty much planning on, on making deals from their pitching in the farm, I thought that they would have gone much more heavily from the uh, the four pitchers in the draft. Now, the thing that I really like about those two guys, in addition to being high picks with high ceilings, both of them are uh, lefties, and you just can never have enough lefties in, in, your, in your organization. Uh, while keeping with the, the pitching motif, I want to go complete opposite from the rookies, and that's a couple of older guys who just uh, joined the, the system, I believe, this past year from that we rescued from independent leagues. Uh, first one up is uh, Mickey Janis. What do you know about uh, Mickey Janis, and uh, is he anybody that uh, we should have on our radar? Mickey Janis, um, I, I would love... I would love Mickey Janis to 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 be a success in the major leagues. Uh, Mickey Janis has a story similar to to R. A. Dickey in terms of rediscovering himself by way of the knuckleball. The the idea that the Mets are going to catch lightning in a bottle twice. They they picked up Dickey when Dickey had almost no value, and he came into his own and became the Cy Young winner. The chances of that happening a second time with Mickey Janis. It's just it's got to be infinitesimally small. I would love it to happen. I just statistically can't put put any faith in that happening again. The nice thing about uh, Janice is uh, after uh, you know a, a, an, an okay year in the Mets system, he played in the uh, pitched in the AFL where the the top prospects go. And uh, I think he finished tenth in the league in in ERA, so that was a, a real nice thing to see. But uh, moving on, the other guy who we rescued from independent leagues is uh, Josh Smoker. Uh, are you a little more bullish on Smoker? I, I certainly am more bullish on Smoker. I think Smoker is going to play a large role in, in the 2006 bullpen, 2016 bullpen. I think that um, I was actually uh, expecting him to to make the jump to the league uh, last year. He he was rescued from independent league. He had been a very high draft pick. Um, I I'm I'm not remembering exactly which which team had him originally. He washed out, went to the independent league, uh, and he really he has the stuff to be a back of the 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 bullpen, you know, setup man, closer type of pitcher. 
And I think that that, that is, is a big part of, of what the Mets are hoping to see in this 2016 season. He's David. I'm Brian, and you're listening to Mepi here on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking Mets prospects tonight in honor of our Top 50 Prospect uh, series that's un- undergoing underway right now at the site. Uh, earlier today, posted uh, prospects 14 to 11. So uh, we're, we're the majority of the way we're getting down to the ones where pretty much everyone is, is heard of. And uh, the exciting thing is we're going to go a little more in depth than in the final ones. We've been going four at a time, but for the top 10, we'll be doing uh, each one individually of the top 10. And uh, David, I, if, uh, if I'm correct, you'll be writing the, uh, the first, uh, the first of those uh, um, episodes. And uh, who is number 10 for us? Number 10 is, uh, is, is Matt Reynolds, the shortstop who uh, is, is all the way up in AAA uh, and sort of ready to, to, to reach the majors at, at the level he is. Now, shortstop is a real interesting position for the Mets because they've had some trouble getting somebody there on the major league level ever since Jose Reyes left, but they've got some interesting depth at the position. But meanwhile, they just went out and signed the guy for two years. And I'm wondering if you could just give your thoughts on uh, some of the guys who the Mets have in the pipeline at shortstop and what the, the Cabrera move says about those guys. Absolutely. So uh, going going top to bottom in terms of, of league readiness, uh, you have Matt Reynolds sort of in AAA holding ground. Matt Reynolds doesn't project to be a starting shortstop. He does project to be a, a, a very useful bench piece. He has uh, defensive flexibility. He was drafted as a third baseman. doesn't really have the power to be a third baseman. But he can play at multiple positions across the infield, and he plays pretty solid defense. Um, he, he has hit at various points in his minor league career. His numbers just don't jump off the page once you factor in the, the fact that he's playing in one of the most hitter-friendly parks in the entire country. Uh, moving down to double A, there's uh, Gavin Cicchini, I think it's pronounced. Is that, I, is I that believe right? that's correct. Yep. Uh, and and um, he was sort of on 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 my uh, not not so not so nice list uh, as of last year, but he he played himself out of the doghouse in my book uh, with an outstanding offensive 2015. Um, the, the thing that you have to watch with him is that his defense took a dive as his offense blew up. So if he can keep his offense to the levels that we saw in 2000, I think that in 2016, by the end of the year, if there's any sort of injury, or moving into 2017, you sh- you could see uh, Cabrera moving over to second base, and you can see uh, Cicchini moving up to be the starting shortstop of the future. Uh, he's He's got some power. He's got a little bit of speed. His best tool, I think, is uh, contact and, and uh, plate control. And I think that you're looking at a leadoff hitter who, who won't necessarily steal a lot of bases, but who will set the table much nicer than we've, we've had in the most recent years. 
going back, uh, you know, another another level, going back to someone who was in Port St. Lucie last year, you have Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Rosario has has been okay in the minor leagues, but he's that guy that the scouts, they look at him, and I saw him play a lot, and he just, he looks like a physical specimen who, who you just see as being this great offensive, defensive shortstop. He just hasn't put out a breakout year as of yet. And what's going to happen right now is is you have a situation where he may have to be promoted to double A, even though he hasn't really earned a promotion to double A. Uh, and the reason for that is if you go back another league, if you go back to Savannah, you have uh, Luis uh, Guillaume, and I hope that I'm pronouncing that name correctly, and he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was was a the team MVP. You, no, you're correct on that. And uh, again, a, a, a contact-oriented defensive shortstop. Giorm, uh reminds me a lot of Wilfredo Tovar, who um, I believe is no longer with the Mets system. Uh, really projects as, as sort of a defensive replacement, uh, but if he can if he can build upon the, the uh unforeseen success he had in Savannah, then you know, we can we can rewrite that as time goes on. You can go back you can go down even farther into the minors and you have uh perhaps one of the more exciting shortstop prospects in, in Milton Ramos. Uh, and Ramos uh, is, in my opinion, the best mix of offensive and defensive potential because he is an elite defensive shortstop and at the same time projects to be a very solid hitter. Um, I would love to see him be a little bit uh, better on the base pass if he was going to be more of a, an impact player up in the minor, at, up the major league level. But uh, we'll see what happens to him. He he could progress all the way up to uh, the the low A full season ball because uh, at this point I'm not sure that Brooklyn is that much of a difference to to have him do that level. I think he could really uh, benefit from being skipped over uh, the New York Penn League right into the uh, South Atlantic League. That's quite a collection of, of young talent at the shortstop position in the minors, and it's really encouraging to see. And I think that's one of the things you really have to credit this front office for is the emphasis on finding the people who, who can play those uh, up-the-middle defensive positions. And not only are all those guys that you mentioned, but when whenever they make uh, an international signing, it seems like it's – you know, one of the top 16-year-old shortstops from Dominican Republic or, or Venezuela or, or what have you. So there there may be a name or two to add to that list after uh, after the 2016 season. Let's take a second and, and talk about um, some of the second base uh, guys, the, the double play partners, if you will. Um, there's uh, um, Louis Carpio, who I think has played both second base and shortstop, he was in the Appy this year as a 17-year-old, and uh, that's a pretty big deal uh, because usually guys uh, that young are either still in high school if they're from the United States or if they're um, from Latin America, they're frequently playing in the Dominican Summer League or the Venezuelan League. 
they brought him stateside as a 17-year-old, and uh, he held his own, more than held his own. He had a 731 OPS uh, in the Appy. Uh, wondering if you had any thoughts on uh, Carpio and where he might end up defensively. Well, I think I think you have it right talking about Carpio as a second baseman, and I I, I almost I almost think it's a shame that that that's where he will end up. I think 2016 because of his age, I I see him moving uh, up into Brooklyn, and there getting the chance to be the starting shortstop. I think it's as he gets higher within the minor leagues that he's just going to end up you know being paired with Milton Ramos as he was for, for a, a large part of 2015, uh, or other names as he moves up that are just going to shift him out of his position. Um, I think Carpio is, is, is probably not got enough uh, talent on, the, on the, the power side or the speed side to be a major impact player, but he's certainly one of the, the best defensive options the Mets will have at second base. If you looked at a future uh, Met lineup and you're seeing Milton Ramos and uh, Carpio as that tandem, you're looking at a very good defensive center. Now, Carpio, as we mentioned, is just 17 years old. Let's talk about some uh, older second basemen who uh, may not have the, the ceiling, but they're all interesting because they can hit. And uh, I'm thinking about three guys and wondering if you could uh, give your opinions on uh, any or all of them. And that would be uh, T.J. Rivera and Jeff McNeil and L.J. Mazzilli. Um, well, I, I'm going to talk about them in in, um, in, in, in the opposite order. Um, L.J. Mazzilli, I, I, I would love L.J. Mazzilli to live up to, to his highest potential. But I'm not sure that, that L.J. Mazzilli is ever going to be a player that reaches the majors uh, for, for a great period of time. He just seems to, to have had too many bumps in the road. I'm talking about uh, he's had issues uh, off the field uh, that, that really I don't like seeing in a, in a player at all. And it really makes it hard for me to, to be rooting for a prospect when I see that kind of thing. Um, T.J. Rivera is a player that it's, it's conversely uh, very easy to root for. He's been in the system. He's, he's spent some time at shortstop, and everywhere he goes, the guy hits. Um, he's, he's likely going to be in Triple A, where we would look for his numbers to be pretty good, if not uh, great, because of, of just the, the caliber of uh, hitting potential for that league. But I, I don't know what it is about Rivera that has made him a secondary prospect. If you look at his pure statistics, he has been one of the best, most consistent hitters for the Mets over the past three years. And and the last guy, uh, Jeff McNeil, is is a perhaps underrated prospect. Uh, McNeil is a contact-only player, but... Um, that contact tool that he has is is as close to a plus plus tool as I think that you will see. I think that uh, he he profiles as being great bench player and will likely split time between second base and third base if and when he makes the majors. 
we started off talking about the pitchers, and then we talked about the uh, the middle infielders, and that's where the strength of the system lies right now. Um, wondering if there's any prospect out there who we didn't cover. Um, you know, not necessarily the the Dominic Smiths of the world, but uh, ones that per- perhaps the the average fan hasn't heard of. Who uh, who's a uh, personal favorite of yours? Uh, maybe if you could uh, pick out uh, a personal favorite, uh, both a uh, pitcher and hitter, and just uh, talk about guys who've caught your eye for for whatever reason. Well, I, I think that my my personal favorite for uh, hitter is the easiest choice uh, possible. And that's uh, Wilmer Becerra, uh, and hopefully I'm saying that name correctly too. Um, he was uh, the the so-called throw-in piece of the R.A. Dickey trade, and at this point, uh, there's there's no reason to be anything but optimistic. We talked about how Savannah is sort of that ultimate pitcher's park, uh, which really distorts numbers for pitchers in such a way that they seem better than they are. He hit to such a degree for Savannah that he really looks like a burgeoning star. He's got power, he's got speed, he's got contact, and his eye is, while it's a thing in progress, it's getting better, and it's not something that's that's really a negative at this point. Um, I really have only positive things to say about him, and I think that he is my overall breakout candidate for this, this next season. In terms of a pitcher, one that we, we haven't talked about, I don't, I don't know if there's a pitcher that we haven't talked about uh, at all. I think the guy that you have to look at for um, this next season is Logan Verrett. Um, he's not a prospect anymore. We saw him pitch in the majors. He filled in very well. Logan Verrett is essentially Dylan G uh, all over again. He has very, very similar stuff, but somewhere along the line, Dylan G lost that magic, lost the way of uh, really effectively using that repertoire. And this is something that Logan Verrett still has, and I think that, that he's really a guy that you want to keep an eye on, even though he isn't really a prospect at this point. Well, we are all out of time. Uh, the 30 minutes just flew by. Always love to talk uh, about prospects. And, and, David, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the show tonight and look forward to your piece. When is that going to be published? Uh, it will be published at some point tomorrow morning, I believe. All right. Well, uh, please go on over to Mets360.com and check out the writings by David and all the writers at the site, and you'll learn about the uh, the minor leagues, the, the current team, history, baseball cards, anything else that uh, might uh, float your boat about the Mets. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next Thursday night. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good night.